Welcome back to the Discipline the Gens podcast. I'm your host, Maddie Betts. I'm here with the biggest the gen I know, GinoBetOpenly.com. And today we got all sorts of good things to go over. First of all, I want to give a huge shout out to all of the Discipline the Gens members that participated in our first monthly poker tournament last night. I got knocked out with Pocket Kings, not even 10 minutes into the tournament. I couldn't believe it. My guy, I think it was Eric, beat me, so he got a $50 a $50 uh, bonus on the bounty. Someone took you out for 50 bucks, and then we had three winners as well, first, second, and third place. $400 in prizes on our poker tournament. We're going to be running that once a month for Discipline the Gens members. It's $30 a month to become a DD member. You get picks, you get data, you get community, you get systems, you get insights, you, and now you get poker tournaments. <laughs> It's the best and Capra tournaments. It's a joke. It's the best deal in the industry. So if you guys would like to sign up, disciplinedagens.com, go check us out. But what a week of football. I'm a little bit depressed right now. Outside of the fact that my Eagles won and covered, which was the only high part of the week for me, underdogs are getting absolutely slaughtered the last few weeks. I got to give credit where credit is due. Gino caught it. He predicted that this was going to happen just a couple weeks ago. But to my defense... The Broncos should have won. The Saints should have won. The Jets and the won. Jets should have won. So that right there was a three-game swing. Call it an average of a one point three units a game. Probably closer to one point five. One point eight. Yeah. Just to make it easy, that's a seven and a half unit swing with those three games. I know. This past week, underdogs went one twelve and one again, or straight up on the money line. I'm getting crushed. The last three weeks took away the whole year of profits. We're now down money right now. Is that crazy? I So I didn't think it was going to be that bad. I, so I, agree, I don't get that much credit. But yeah. what I'll tell all of you, and we'll go through it the whole show, you got to be careful showing up to system plays. I can't tell you how many dudes I like and respect their content on TikTok and social media, mm -hmm. but they're reporting things too late to you. If you find out about a system after all of social media found out about a system, you can't just blindly tail that system. You got to watch the money movement and line distribution post that system. So I'll get into all that on this episode, but I I hate to say it. I've been in this game too long. When I tell you all the best system in the world is fading the public, it doesn't mean just blindly fading the public. It means watch the tickets, watch where the public is and find value. That's what this is all about. That's what the show is about. That's what Disciplined Agendas is about. But we'll get into all that. Please stop blindly telling people that just make a catchy video that rolls off the tongue. Agreed. Let's get into the week 13 recap before we dive into week 14. First and foremost, my Philadelphia Eagles covers and wins two weeks in a row. I was on them both times, so I'm a happy camper when it comes to that. You even went, you even took the Eagles this week. You I went did. Again. You went against your Tennessee Titans who have printed you money all season. That was my first time going against the Titans and it worked out well. So, yeah. Uh, I will say I was bad though. I was I was on the commies. I gave it out money line on here, so that's a push. And I also liked Atlanta for value. Yeah, I think we got them plus one fifteen or something. That didn't work out. Yeah, I knew that game was too fishy. Like I even said it, it didn't feel last right. week. I was like, I was like, it's a part of me. This 
that just feels like the Steelers are a little better than we think. And now they have an interest. We'll get into this later, but they have an interest in the vision game here at home against the Ravens. Do you know? Do you know what's been some of my best plays on here? That was my square plays. Yeah. My square plays were Minnesota and the Niners. Squares win too. I know. So we'll we'll stick with square plays too. I'll keep giving those out. But I, yeah, it's it's all about money distribution. Yeah, and then the Vikings. You had the Vikings. I had the Jets. I was wrong on that one. And then the 49ers were an absolute gift. And I won't even bring them bring them up right now with Jimmy G. We'll, we'll get into that. But, oh, man. What, what I will say, though, uh, while we're talking about trending stuff on social, <laughs> how did the Saints blow that game? Like, if you go back, uh, dude, I, I want everyone to listen. I am not one of those people that thinks the NFL is fixed. I'll never be that person. The people that talk like that sound like absolute psychopaths. I'm convinced that people just know that the content goes viral when, when they and talk just, about just it. And they're just hit, so and people just, listen. Yeah, they just get so much exposure from saying but it. 55 minutes of football, it comes down to the end. They're up 13. 16 to 3. They're up, they're up 13. Ingram runs out of bounds two yards short of where he could have gone for contact and a yard short with the first down. Then they pass, stop the clock, punt, and it all goes up from there. I literally can. I'm actually suspended on Facebook right now for saying they should. I won't say the names. I said they should take two players and the coach and shoot them like stray dogs. And I got I got suspended for inciting violence. I didn't actually mean shoot these people. It's a saying. I'm getting old, man. Facebook doesn't even know sayings that anymore. Was in our Facebook group too. It wasn't even a private public. Facebook group. It wasn't like I pointed at anyone, but just using this as a transition. Saints, man, you would have been a half game back. You would have been in the thick of things that I cannot believe. I'm more mad that they now gave Tampa Bay new life because they're coming into the Niners revitalized. They're hyped. I'll tell you one thing. People say that that Tampa Bay team is going to win the division and then come to Philly and beat Philly. That's not happening. That ain't happening. Philly it will, ain't happening. Like, Philly will smoke They just them. don't have the firepower to compete with Philly. That's just my two I cents. I mean, and not to be a ultimate hater, they would have to win their first home game to get to Philly. They're not even going to win their first home game. Yeah. They're going to be the seven and nine or whatever, the eight and nine. Yeah. I can see that. All right. I got to bring this one up because I know there's this huge – What's the word I want to call it? But everyone talks about traps in the NFL, right? Is it real? Do Vegas set traps? Do sportsbooks set traps? If there's a such thing as traps, this one feels like it is, right? Everyone's going to be talking about this game this week, and they already are. But the Minnesota Vikings, what, a 10-2 and football team, open up as a one-point underdog on the road against the Detroit Lions, a 5-7 and football team. The line has now moved to two and a half. So, which is crazy, right? You would have thought it moved the opposite direction, but the ten and two team is now two and a half point underdog against a five and seven team. It is a division game, and Detroit has been hot. What are your thoughts? So I'm gonna try and keep this as tight knit as possible. I actually believe in trap lines. I probably define them different than people. I'll explain that. We have Austin coming on today. He works for FanDuel. Him and I will talk about this. People can argue till they're blue in the face about different definitions. What I will say is books absolutely steer their clients and they pick and choose their positions to be exposed. If you wanna call that a trap, fine. If you don't and you wanna call it something else, I don't care. Point being is, 
this game actually is not fishy. As crazy as it sounds, it opened up and people, squares would say, well, I'm taking the 10 and two team. They're yeah. underdogs, whatever. Money came in, sharp money on Detroit and the line immediately moved in that favor. If the money came in on Detroit and they moved it to get more people to bet on Detroit, that would be a trap on Detroit. The opposite happened. The money came in like buying a stock and the line moved in that direction. Not a trap, but I will get anyone on here from any book and I'll tell you they absolutely pick and choose when to distribute their lines and their money and they do pick their positions. The, the, whether or not that means it's fixed, I never think so. I think that's what they're kind of alluding to is nothing is fixed. Like we don't purposely trap people, but. Yeah, yeah. So I, I get both sides of it. Like my opinion personally is Something can feel like a trap psychologically to a better. And I think that's what betters are saying. That's like, exactly what It doesn't saying. mean a sports book is intentionally trying to be like, oh, they want you on a specific side. That's just my two cents on it. Everyone can argue but until they're You just defined it perfectly. That's yeah, exactly yeah. what it is. It feels like a trap to an average sports better. Yeah. That's what people mean. They don't actually mean it's a fixed game and trapping you. Well, but some people do. <laughs> well, yeah, I apologize. Yeah, but right. We, will, we will get into that game here in a little bit. Two other topics I want to go over. A, the Tennessee Titans fire their general manager. What are your thoughts there? They're in. They're winning their division. They've had a great year. What is going? Is there some story? Doesn't make sense. Are we going to find out he was taken down? I'm secretaries. Not educated enough on the topic. And then lastly, and I hate to bring this up to you, but Jimmy G is hurt. It looked like he was going to be out for the year. I guess just an hour or two ago. There's new news on that. I'm gonna. I'm gonna put my money where my mouth is. Anyone that wants Tampa Bay this week. Go on bet openly. Shout out to Tony Parlay. He backed it up. He was talking shit to me all yesterday. He put his bet in today on the Tampa Bay money line. I'll take every get a bet against the Niners. What I will say about this, one, I'm not happy Jimmy G's hurt. But what I will laugh at, the same homies that were telling me the Niners can't win a Super Bowl without Jimmy are now telling me they can they can't win it without Jimmy. What, what is it? Like, can he win one or not? Because I don't get it. Is yeah. Brock Jimmy? No. Can he fill in? And do you see what's trending? Uh, I, won't, I can't say it, but uh, BCB, we'll just say it for, for Brock. They're calling him BCB. Uh, the homie can slang the rock. He's very manageable. Our defense is ready for a championship, and our offense has weapons. His job is going to be to come in, not make mistakes, which is hard to ask of a rookie, not force the ball hard to ask of a rookie and run our very complex offense. That said, I think we absolutely stomped Tampa Bay and I think we went for the next five or is it three of the next four now? Yeah. There's only four games left. Yeah. yeah. Three of the next four. So let me ask you this. The 49ers were six to one to win the Super Bowl going in the last week. They are now 12 to one to win the Super Bowl. That those odds shifted when Jimmy G was hurt, but the odds haven't regressed at all. Even after the announcement just came out, that he might return for the postseason. Yeah. So Are you what, buying the plus 1,200 right now? Because I think it's a decent spot. Yeah, it's, plus 1,200 is great value. Honestly, if you put one unit on it, don't go crazy. What I would say is right now, the only team the Niners can't beat is Philadelphia. And if you told me we have to go into Philadelphia with Brock, we're going to be like nine-point underdogs. That hurts. Even with our defense, right? So maybe seven and a half, something. It just is gonna, it's going to be painful to have a rookie versus their defense and then their offense on the other side. Yeah. I just think it would sit around. Yeah, maybe nine was too uh, – yeah, so I couldn't get away from nine, honestly. You guys are going to stomp someone. Yeah. What I'll say is this. If Jimmy comes back, 
He's going to be coming back from a pretty serious foot injury going into Philly. It's going to be freaking cold there. It's tough, man. This is going to be a hard road, but we did win in Green Bay. And I will say it's easier to win in Philly than in Green Bay at that time of year. So I'm I'm still big on my Niners making it to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Well, speaking of Philly, I now demand you to move them up in your power rankings. I'm putting you on the spot right now because not only are the Niners now crippled, but the Eagles dominated this past week. Absolutely dominated. To me, they look like the best team in football, and I know I'm biased, but no, no, they I mean, do. They're clicking on all cylinders. I mean, Kansas City's coming off a loss. Cincy's playing great football right now. You know, it was in Cincy. I get it. They have their number. Um, I, I have Eagles as number one in my power rankings. I've seen some people hate and have them underneath Dallas. That's absurd. I don't know. Well, what, Dallas just put up a fifty piece. I don't, on t- in, on Indy, Indy competed <laughs> for the first half. I, I don't yeah. know. I don't buy all that. I also do my power rankings very different than people. I do them on betting. Not necessarily. A lot of people just do it on who would win in a neutral field. You don't get to play in a neutral field, so I don't really understand why people do that. But f- f- bear with me. I sincerely believe Philly right now on the neutral field would be favored over everyone except the Bills. So I understand why the Bills could be on your one, but if I'm just betting these two teams, I'll take the value. I would take the underdog if Philly and the Bills played each other on it neutral field um but to me consistently phillies show up offensively every freaking week they are insane jalen's a monster he has weapons around him that offseason pickup is that that's probably why the gm got fired (laughs) they're probably seeing what the what aj brown's doing that that might be why titans that's funny i i the philly team's gonna be hard to beat it's going to be a beautiful thing that we all want. We want that AFC championship, Kansas City, Buffalo. But don't sleep on Cincy. I'm not sleeping on them. They're heating up at the right time. Yeah. Uh, I just am not as high on Dallas as everyone else. So to Matt's point, it's going to be very hard for Dallas or the Niners to go through Philly. And it seems like that's what's going to be happening. They have a pretty light I schedule. If Dallas comes to Philly, that'd be epic. That would be hype. It'll be good, dude. Yeah. All right. What's up next here? So... We want to do a new segment in the show every single week. I want you to give me bold predictions that you are going to put your put your money behind on bet openly. Give me what you got. And and to anybody listening, these are things that Gino is specifically going to bet on bet openly and we will share on Twitter and you guys can physically go on there and if you hear something you like on here, you can actually go and take that bet. And, and to Maddie's point, so I try and not be a cheerleader for bet openly, my baby, on here, even because I nonstop. I troll people all day on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok about that. So I'll, I'll try and blend the two. But what Maddie's saying is you can make your own lines and odds on bet openly at only 1%. So I'm going to make bold predictions that if you disagree, comment on any of our Twitter or whatever at me, and I'll send you the link. You could take my money. So I'm going to go Titans by 10 and they steal the division. Uh, I don't mind that the GM got let go. I like this team. Philly was a terrible matchup for them. I was on Philly last week. I'll, I, this this Titan defense, dude, they're as tough as they get. They hit as hard as, sadly, New Orleans. I want to be talking good about New Orleans right now, but then they crumble at the end. Titans by 10 plus. They seal this division. Um, and then I'll I'll give you lines. I'll give you odds. You know, the spread in that game is what? Three and a half. Three and a half. So you're getting yeah. six and a half. You'll see that what I'm giving you is way cheaper than any book will offer. Yeah, the ja- and the Jags this season are one and four against the spread on the road. And I lost money on the Jags last week. I liked the Jags to go into Detroit. Yeah, square side. 
I like it. I would not take that. I would not take <laughs> the Jags plus 10. At, what would that even be? Like plus 200? Probably 200. I mean, yeah. you're getting six and a half points. It'd probably I be know, 250 to 275. But I book. do like the Titans in a bounce back spot here. Absolutely. What else you got? Uh, I th- I'll, I'll be a little homer for a second. I'll yeah. throw I'll throw on the Niner hat. <laughs> My Niners are going to put up 27 against this Tampa Bay defense. I'm not even sure if they've given up 27 this week, and we have a rookie with a rookie quarterback. We are a terrible matchup for them. What I watched New Orleans do barely running outside of the tackles was able to move the ball, and they took their foot off the gas and lost a bad game. The Niners are going to put 27 up against uh, Tampa Bay. I think it's going to be a good game still, um, but like nice little 27 17 games, something like that. That's fair. So uh, 27, that's what I'm going with. Yeah. So right now, the 49ers are minus three and a half. That line opened at four and a half. It's down to three and a half over under 37. It sounds like you like the, the Niners. Niners over. Yeah, no question. Oh, I can see that. I mean, that's a low total. I just think that we held the Saints to zero, was it? Yeah. <laughs> is it zero? Uh this Tampa Bay Somehow. defense is good. I'm not, I'm not trying to disrespect them. What I'm trying to say is this Tampa Bay defense hasn't faced an offense like ours. Yeah. And honestly, I love Jimmy. I'm a Jimmy G uh, fanboy. Mm-hmm. I just don't think Brock is taking that far of a step down and we're getting healthier everywhere else. I think they're going to open up and try and get after this quarterback. Yeah. Just like Miami did. And I think we're going to make them pay pretty early. And 27 rough is not crazy. That's 14 and 13 in the two halves. It's not crazy for these Niners. Yeah. So what if I tell you that the Bucks plus three and a half are currently a small system play inside of our discipline the gens group? So it's gonna hurt. But yeah. I hear so it. basically, it's just taking a bad against the spread team late in the season against a good against the spread team late in the season. So right now, and I'll pull up the exact rate this thing hits at, but the the Bucks meet that criteria. And it hits at... It makes sense. The Bucks are 3-8-1. 62% win rate. Uh-oh. So I only have a 38% chance of hitting right now? <laughs> I like the Bucks. Or no, I like uh, I like uh, San Fran, too. Everything you just said is a very compelling argument. But take my money. Maddie just gave you a 60% win rate, and I'm gifting you six and a half points. Yeah. Hmm. We'll have to see how that one plays out. So and I'll give you another one. and Let's see what you think here, because this is in my Eagles game. So, divisional unders, Eagles at Giants, points to the under, 45 and a half points. What are your thoughts on this game? Because I remember you telling me you kind of leaned the over on this, right? Yeah, dude. So, what? This, this goes back to me fading the public. And what I mean by that, I don't just mean blindly look at the ticket percentage and just hammer it. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at where the ticket percentage is and where the you haven't lost value. That's what I mean the most. You haven't lost value. Yeah. I think we had more overs pop up on our algorithm last week than I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. A couple of them hit, a couple of them didn't. So it's nothing really to write home about. Yeah. I'm noticing more and more cappers and systems noticing overs because I'm telling you, the public has heard about how great unders are doing, how great money lagging dogs are doing. Yeah. And they're beating that down and they're buying down the value. It, it doesn't. The number one thing you got to do, and I think I said this with uh, on the Peters uh, podcast, mm-hmm. you got to look at the opening line for the system and see if you've lost value. The system is really for the opening line, not the current line. And I can't tell you how many people are messing this up. I'm going to make a TikTok video about that. Just speaking to the people, I think they're messing it up by looking yeah. at current Unless lines. it specifies the closing line. Like one of our That's systems, fair. 
it's it specifically says like the divisional unders that the total has to close at a certain number so the system will always state if, it, if it's closing or not but otherwise what you're saying is you default to the opening line so yeah i'm i'm saying more like people on tiktok give out things like always take yeah. primetime unders right and dude if that under's been beaten down three points by all the public 100%. bets you can't just blindly take that anymore that's more what i'm saying yeah 100 percent well, look, we have five other system plays. There, well, there's four other system plays, six total in the Facebook and Discord, disciplinethegens.com if you guys want to sign up. Let's dive into the primetime games. We will get started here. Thursday night football, the Las Vegas Raiders, a six-point favorite, going to the Rams. Rams plus 210 on the money line. What do you like in this game? Where are you leaning? I believe you and I gave out the Rams last week as a two unit. I think I said two units after you and Peter and I went all back and we forth. We all liked them, yeah. And that worked out well. People are disrespecting this Rams team because they're hurt, but they have stars hurt. And dude, I love when stars are hurt. You get extra too, value. Yeah. This Raiders team to me has not been good all year. They're five and yeah. seven. The Rams are three and nine. I have seen some grumblings that the Raiders are still alive for the playoffs. They have a very tough road to the playoffs. That just means they have to squeak out a win, though. Six points on the road to me just feels like oh, a lot. Oh, man. Against it, any it team is a in lot. NFL for this Raiders team. It is a lot. And I, the only thing I don't like is, uh, isn't Baker Mayfield has a chance of starting there. I don't know if you read that. Yeah. The coach said he has a chance of starting. I don't know. <laughs> um, but if, if I'm giving you guys a play and let's just dive straight in. I'm, I'm taking the Rams. Home dog prime time. Uh, again, that's a system rolls off the tongue. I only do that if the, if the value sticks. Yeah. If y'all beat this down and it kicks off and the Rams are plus four and a half and I lost two points of value, mm -hmm. I'm running away. Um, I also really like the under here. Anyone betting the Raiders to cover six is probably saying they're going to put up a gang of points. The Rams showed that they could actually score last week against a not bad Seattle defense. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to probably be fading the public here well, and sticking getting, on the you're under. You're getting a point of value. I think it opened at 43 and a half. It's up to 44 and a half. That 44 and a half is a key number. It's a great number. Because you'd like the 27-17 type of yeah, game. Yep. Um, so I, I agree with you. I'm on Ram. I think we align there. Rams and the under for Thursday Night Football. Let's do it. I like it. All right, let's go. I'm also that. from the Bay, and I hate Raiders fans, so I got a little bias in there. Yeah, but don't you hate the Rams? I hate the Rams, too. The fans are different. The Rams yeah. fans are actually decent people. Raiders fans are questionable. All right, up next, the Miami Dolphins are a three-point favorite on Sunday Night Football. Going to the Chargers. The over-under is sitting at 52 and a half. What are you leaning on in this game? I'm leaning on this Dolphins team. Uh, this is an example of me going against a home dog in prime time. So I'm not, you know, I don't always stick to my systems. Yeah. I think people are a little lower on the Dolphins on how bad the Niners made them look. This Niners team is legit clicking on defense. It's yeah. very hard to judge them on that. This Chargers team has nothing in common. This is, I, I think I said this to you with your Eagles. Mm -hmm. Anytime you're going to give me the Eagles under a touchdown favorite, I'm probably going to take that. Yeah. This is the Dolphins minus three. The Dolphins can blink and score 14 and a quarter. Um, I I understand the, the reason why people will like the Chargers. I just think this Dolphins team is better than they're looking. And I think this Dolphins team is better than the Niners made them look. Clearly, I'm a biased dude when it comes to my Niners, but I'm just going to say this Dolphins team's good. I still remember the first play of the game where they blinked and went 75 yards. I watched Jacksonville shred up this Chargers team. Yeah. I watched Atlanta go up and down the field on this Chargers team. Yep. I, I, I will not go money line on the Dolphins. 
but I'll take the Dolphins minus three here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, I think the Chargers are one of the more overrated teams in the league. They just haven't played. I, I never really do. I mean, you know what's interesting about this game is the whole narrative could kind of be flipped here. Like, I know, I mean, everyone's like, oh, Justin Herbert or Tua when they were drafted. And now it's close. It's a lot closer than it used to be. Originally, it was like, wow, like Herbert was the clear-cut choice. And I still think he's slightly better overall, and I think he's more durable. But it's kind of interesting now because it's very close all of a sudden. But I just think the Miami Dolphins have a more complete team here. I would take them on the road and, to win this game. And also, not that everything Matt said is facts, and I back it up. I would actually take a little pressure off of Tua in this one. Mm-hmm. I really like the two running backs on the Dolphins. They're freaking dogs. We made them, again, I hate to say it, we made them look bad. Yeah. They're going to be able to get their yards in the, in in San San Diego in LA. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm Dolphins here. That's going to probably be square side. It's probably going to kick off around three and a half or four. Um, I, I just can't see a, a reason to like the Chargers. There's nothing they've showed me. I've been waiting every week for them to be what we thought they would be preseason. Mm-hmm. Fair. All right. Lastly, Sunday night football. The New England Man. Patriots are a one and a half point favorite at Arizona. Over under is at. 44 and a half. This Arizona Cardinals team is coming off a bye. And, but they're one in five at home straight up. What do you like here? This is a team that I cannot read for shit. My biggest Niners bet of the year was Niners in Mexico versus the Chargers, excuse me, the Cardinals. Yeah. Ah, dude, the money's going to come flowing in on the Patriots. Let's just say that. So I'm going to tell all of you, I'm making this is Tuesday. I'm going to make this prediction. The money has to back up my prediction for it to actually earn my bet. If the money flows in on the Patriots and the line sticks, I'm going heavy on the Arizona. If the money goes on the Patriots and the line goes up to one and a half, two and a half, three, I don't like it. I think the books then feel exposed. They're trying to get people on the other side. It doesn't make me that confident. Mm-hmm. Um, out of the gate, I would <clears throat> man, I'm tough here. Cardinals. Yeah, <coughs> Cardinals. I'll tell you one thing. I'm I'm on the opposite side here, um, mainly because well, first of all, I really don't know what the hell's going to happen in this game. But the way I look at it is, who wants this game more? Right? The Patriots are are six and six. The Cardinals are four and eight. I don't think they have anything to play for. I know they're coming off the bye. Is there- I got to trust that New England's defense is going to do be- is going to be better and that they can squeak out a win on the road. So I would lean New England in the under here. Is there a chance? Where's the wild card looking at? I know it's the, the, it's the Giants and Commies, right? That that tie helps a lot of people. Uh, pull up the standings. That so tie right. helps a lot of people. Um, I'm looking at the wild card right now in the NFC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right now it went, went from Commies, Giants, Seattle snuck in. So right now the wild card is a seven four seven seven four and one seven and five. Yeah. Uh, nah, they're they're four and eight, dude. They're not they're getting done. It. I was looking at them. They're six and six against the spread. They're done. Kyle they're Murray's done. Checked out. I don't care. That they're coming off the bye. Give me the Patriots and the under. I think the Patriots holds this Cardinals team to ten or less. That's my prediction. That's bold. Yeah. Well, and just to be clear, the only way I'm betting these Cardinals is if. Money comes hammering in on the Patriots. Tickets all over the Patriots and the line sticks. So I hope that's helful. I don't love this game, but I'm Monday Night Football. I'll be betting it. I would actually ride with Maddie there on that under if if you made me give a play. So Tuesday, Cardinals under, Maddie's Patriots under. The only way that Cardinals earns my money is if the Patriots tickets flow in and the line sticks. Fair enough. 
All right, so we covered all three primetime games. Give me a couple of your early leans going into week 14. Dude, the team I actually have a lot of respect for. I like their fans. I I, I used to go to all the playoff game with the Niners. Whenever the Niners were in Carolina, I'd go to those games, and I love those fans in Carolina. Yeah. Dude, I'm respecting their defense a lot. I love their defense. I like their run game. The last, I like their defense. The last three games, they haven't given up more than 15 points total. I, I won't go crazy here and go money line on Carolina, but I'm going to go under in the Seattle-Carolina game. I'm going to be cheering for Carolina to win. And honestly, if that ticks up, I'm looking at bet openly right now. I'm seeing one. I saw 180 earlier. Mm. It's that's nice. I I know people are high on Seattle. I get it. I just like the under so much more. This, you know, I agree. But this Carolina team is substantially playing substantially better right now than the Rams. Yeah. And Rams went wire to wire with Seattle. So again, yeah. just value uh, plus 180 kind of thing. But yeah, under under 43 and a half Seattle Carolina. I honestly think we're going to see a nice. 17-14 game, 2017 game, something like that. Yeah, I like the under, like I said, more than anything in that game, so I'm definitely with you on that. I just like Carolina's defense. I've, I've been high on them all season. What else you got? I like the over in Philly and the New York Giants. I think it's going to be fresh in better's minds how little was done offensively in the second half of the Giants commies. I think Philly's a different beast. They're yeah. going to be able to put up points against this team. And I'm actually a little lower on your defense than a lot of people. Yeah. I think I think the Philly comes out and puts up so many damn points that they turn offenses into one-sided. Um I I I just see this game being a nice 30, 30, 20, 30, 24, something like that. Um, I like the over 45 and a half. Mm. It's a I tough one. Yeah, I mean it's a lot so, of points for a division yeah. game. It's so it system, right? Yeah, it's opposite of our system here. So I'll probably stay away from it. But I would, I don't know. I, a part of me feels like the Eagles are starting to the, starting to put the pieces together on defense. <sighs> and a they've been bit doing more. it all year. They're good, man. Yeah. So we'll see what happens there. But one of my favorite picks of the week are the New York Jets. And I've been making money on the Jets all season, honestly. Bro, what Outside is, of that damn week one in the Survivor League. Are you from Philly, man? Or are you from New York or Bro, Jersey? I like the Jets. You've been on the Jets all year. Jets are getting nine and a half at Buffalo. And I love their defense. Their offense is looking good. I don't think they're going to sweep the Bills. They already beat them as a 13-point dog earlier this season. But you're going to give me nine and a half points on a team that's already beat this team literally weeks ago. Maybe it's a – I don't even think it's a square play. I don't think it'll be a square play. Yeah, everyone likes the Bills. I mean – No, the Bills are rested. Yeah, give me give me the nine and a half points here. I think the Bills win this game by a touchdown. And, and I'll, I'll – I don't, I don't hate the play at all. I honestly don't have a read on that. The, the the league keeps opening it up for the Bills to still be number one. That's what I hate. They keep <laughs> opening up for them. Uh, I'll go dog of the week. I'll transition to that. It's Vikings money line. It's as square as it gets. I don't care. If this is gonna. I, this is one of those teams. I look at each team what they've done for me every week. Minnesota has covered so much for me. And I've been square side on them. The Jets had every chance to beat Minnesota and they mm -hmm. buckled down. Going back to that game, this is not a trap line. This is not a fixed game. Watch that Minnesota game, Detroit game one. Detroit was in it wire to wire in Minnesota. That's why this line is the way it is. It's a fair line. Sharp money came in on Detroit early. It makes sense. I'm just gonna now be one of those people. Anytime you give me Minnesota, against they beat crappy teams and they get smoked by good teams 
just give me what am I going to get plus 130 here plus one yeah probably plus 130 on bet openly yeah just give it to me it's going to be an ugly game they're going to find a way to squeak it out Detroit's going to make too many mistakes play Detroit football sorry Detroit for hating I'll just take the value there keep the points the only thing is this just reminds me of the exact spot they were in a few weeks ago when they were a small dog to the Cowboys and we were like oh we're going to try and they got Minnesota stomped. and they got yeah 40 to 3 but that's a good team the Cowboys know, are a good it team it is a good team but Detroit's hot like honestly I lean Detroit here at home at the, you're on a the sharp side bit. yeah you but, should but it's to me it's just I don't see the value on either on either side here I would probably just skip the game altogether but I don't know Detroit is hot and they just fight I love their head coach. They're at home. It's a division game. I, just I like everything being, you're saying. I see it being a field goal game either way. I like everything you're saying. All I'm saying is Minnesota buckles down and flies ways away game. You're giving me plus money. I'm taking it. Division. Yeah. They have, how long has Minnesota been waiting to win this division? That's true. That's very true. All right. What else Let, we got? Let's slide into buy low and sell high. Yeah. yeah. All right. So I'm going to read off the teams that are potentially buy low spots, right? We have the Baltimore Ravens who are a, what, a two and a half, three point dog now at Pittsburgh. Who would have thought that, right? No yeah. Lamar. No Lamar, of course. Yeah. We have but, to, go ahead. Pitt, no, Pitt's coming off a great cover on the road. Yep. Baltimore doesn't have their quarterback. This to me screams value on Baltimore. I agree. Baltimore money line is. I agree completely. Honestly, that should have been my dog of the week. The it's all I good. About it. I do like the Baltimore it's Ravens. It's not too late. People are still listening. <laughs> I do like the Baltimore Ravens here. You know, it, it it's almost like, Lamar being out is almost a good thing. Like, I know that sounds crazy. For value. It sounds crazy, but like, were we forgetting that literally just a few weeks ago, how low the whole world was on the Pittsburgh Steelers? Oh my God, and I was. now they, they cover against the Falcons and win on the road. And now all of a sudden we're supposed to believe that they're two and a half points better than this Ravens team, even without Lamar. To me, it doesn't make sense. And this is also a spot for the Ravens organization to show Lamar like, hey, we can't pay you a super max, whatever the hell you want to even call it in the NFL. Oh, man. I'm just saying Poor like the, the Ravens have to to kind of show Lamar that they he, can put it, they can put a complete game together without him. Lamar bet on himself. I hate the narrative that Lamar is a quarterback that runs or he's not a quarterback. He's a running back. It's bullshit. That guy's yeah. a good quarterback. He makes great decisions and great passes. People hate too much on different styles. People want everyone to be the old way. Things are always changing. Yeah. My Warriors changed basketball. To me, Lamar's changing the quarterback position. I, I can't stand that narrative and it breaks my heart because he probably could have got a big bag like five weeks ago and he, he should have taken it. I think his head got too big. Yeah. Well, Richard um, Sherman just put out on, on his podcast that if he was Lamar Jackson, he wouldn't play another game until he's paid. I mean, honestly, we're talking, he's still going to get life-changing money. Yeah. I, I think he got too close to, he got, dude, come on, man. Yeah. I can't it's believe he did what he did. Like, just think about it. Yeah. It's but business at the end of the day. I won't even read the next buy low, sell high. I'm handing it to you. It makes me sick. The Tampa Bay Bucks. It's a joke. It's great value. So although they came back and won. They didn't cover. They didn't cover the spread, right? And they're playing the 49ers. Yuck. Yeah. Well, Guys, I'm giving you my money. I'm giving away my hard-earned money for free. The system points, a system points to the Bucks. Buy low, sell high points to the Bucks. And I'm offering free points because I'm an arrogant Niners fan that's hard-headed. And come take my money. Right? Like you could just see after that game last night. That's what like, I like. You could just see that was the momentum the Bucks needed. It's disgusting to like carry them the rest of the. They would have came into SF tail so between. Happy. Tom Brady was like a new person after. They would have came into SF tail between their legs and got shut out. 
Yeah. And now it's a different game. I'm disgusted. Next up, buy Thanks. low, sell high. The New York Jets. Again, I really like this one. We're talking a Buffalo Bills team that easily covered the spread against the Patriots last week. And the Jets, on the other hand, oh, they lost by five. They lost by five. They lost by five at Minnesota. So that's another good buy low spot. Great one. And then uh, this one's actually my favorite one. I love those disgusting games. The next one's the Texans. Maddie was sharing a system earlier that terrible record teams against the spread and the spread's 10 or more. Yeah. Houston checks all those boxes against a good team. Um, dude, the Texans are getting 17. 17. That's a lot of points. In a professional football game. If you watch the game, uh, that it's hard to say. Like I had the Cowboys in that game, so that's fine. Yeah. I also had the under, so I just lost juice there. Um, what I'll say is Cowboys didn't beat up Indy as much as the score looks like. They went back and forth. They were really close in the first half. Cowboys were lucky to go in up eight. I think it should have been one. Totally different game. And then the wheels fell off these Colts. So, dude, 17 is a lot of points. Dallas is good, but they're not 17 good. Yeah, and the other thing I'll say is if you look back at this past week, like the Browns beat the Texans 27-14 in Houston, but seven of those points came from a pick six, right? And another, well, another seven came from a fumble, a scoop and score, right? Denzel Ward. There was a bunt due to picks. So, yeah, when we look at a 76-yard punt return, made it seven to five Browns. Then a four-yard fumble return made it 14 to five (laughs) Browns. And then a 16-yard interception return made it 24-8 Browns. So and this the is the ultimate by low. And the opposite happened with the Cowboys. For the Cowboys, so, for, for the so opposite. many reasons. Yeah. The, the Cowboys are the opposite for the Colts. So the Houston Texans plus 17. I'm slowly talking to myself into <laughs> it being one of my favorite plays of the week. It's gross. You're going to feel good so the whole ugly. game. You'll feel good the so whole game. Ugly. What about a first half line on this? What would you, how would you feel about the it? The problem is Cal- Dallas could be up 10 and it's going to probably be what, eight, <laughs> probably nine. I don't know. Yeah. It won't be anything too cool. I'm telling you, I'm slowly talking to myself into really liking the Texans plus 17 this week. My my ugliest play of the week probably is going to be against this last buy low, sell high. Let's hear it. Chiefs. Everyone's on the Chiefs. The system buy low, sell high is on the Chiefs. I'm This Broncos defense, I don't talk about them enough because their offense is so bad. Yeah. I think the stat said if their offense was averaging 18 points, they'd be 10 and 2. Yep. That is absurd. <laughs> well, since since you brought this one up, I'm going to give the people what they want. Please. Our system points to the Broncos plus nine this week. Betting against the public after a bad game. The criteria for this team must score nine points or less the previous week, which the Broncos scored nine. And 30% or less of the public has to be back in them. I'm seeing 25% exactly. on the Broncos this week. There's a lot of dogs I like this week. I like the Broncos plus nine. I like the Texans plus seventeen. I'm not quite there on the Bucks. I just I just can't get there on them. But I do really like those two teams. And what was the other one I told you? I'm missing Jets. Jets. How are you gonna but, forget, man? You're, yeah, you're my a favorite from my Jersey, fa- dude. My favorite team, pretty much. You're a Jersey Shore guy for sure. You, yeah. No, I like all three of those dogs. I really do. You go to DJ's in Belmar. <laughs> I know you do 100. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's go. Uh, Let's dive, let's dive straight in here and then we'll bring on Austin yeah. here in a minute. I think you have There's a quote one. here from Gary Mead. Go ahead. Oh, you just said, yeah, posted it. And so in DD, we want to share more about the community. 
Obviously, we're fucking biased, but I'm going to tell you this right now. For 30 bucks a month, it's absurd what you're getting, and it's going up to 40 a month in January, and it's going up to 50 a month for next football season. Dollar a day is getting you systems, data, community, plays, fed to you on a damn spoon, and then we're giving back money on poker tournaments and capping tournaments. These dudes in here, one, we have a bunch of cappers that I consider on mine and Maddie's level. In addition to all that, these are homies I've made in the last five years just watching good dudes make good plays, and I measure closing line value. That's how I measure a capper. We got a gang of them in there. And then there's users like Gary, not calling him not a capper, but I don't know if he actually caps, but sharing systems, sharing pieces of data so you don't have to go digging into the archives of the internet. He said the season unders are now 24 and 10 when divisional opponents play each other outdoors. The key there is outdoors. Your memory is not that intricate that you can't separate. So when you add these things like outdoors, you add like prime time, you separate that play from the pack and that's when they get the most value. And he gave this one out on Thursday and it was an easy hit. So shout out to the homie there. And then um, another dude, Bailey uh, said, he constantly provides the Ken Palm analysis. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Ken Palm. He does a bunch of NCAA basketball, basically does predictive scores. A lot of times they're within a point of the spread anyway. So people ask, what the hell can I do with that? But um, basically they're giving you data on a spoon so you don't have to shop around. The time saving alone to me is worth it. And then uh, the homie Jack Musho, uh, basically breaks down systems for college basketball and NBA. So I hate to say it, but I've never seen a community that gives you this much value and saves you this much time. And again, it's kind of like bet openly. I made bet openly for my degenerate self. Maddie made discipline of gens for his degenerate self. <laughs> it's basically what we wanted for ourselves and we're giving it to everyone. My degens, my degens. We're welcoming a guest here, Austin Swain. He works for the enemy. I'm just kidding. He works for FanDuel. Really good dude. I want to actually hand him the mic to let him tell his story. Hey, thanks, you know, I, um, yeah, so I do work for FanDuel. Um, I had kind of have to give this disclaimer anytime that I'm on with somebody like you fellas who, uh, I've met through the great work you've done. Uh, I work for FanDuel. They do not feed me picks. If games were rigged or there were picks to be fed, I would be on an Island in Cabo betting on other sports. <laughs> books, but unfortunately, um, I just, I, I actually work for FanDuel in a very unorthodox manner and that I am an editor and writer for numberfire.com, which is uh analytics website developed around 2015, bought by FanDuel as the daily fantasy industry was really ah. kicking up. Uh, so I had a really unorthodox intro into the evil empire, as you guys might refer to it as. I really like working here. It's a great company with a lot of unique, fun people that I've met so far, but, um, it's it, they don't really tell me what to do. And so I go on shows like this and really they have told me 100% my job is to help inform sport bettors and make them be profitable. And by the way, if you tail my bets, my goal is to help you win money. It is it. not. And that is my job. It's not my job to make money for FanDuel. And a lot of people are skeptical. I totally get that. And anytime I pop on uh, like the book, it's stream. So I pop on with you guys and you say I work for FanDuel, um, but my job is, is simply to dive into analytics and come up with uh, interesting sports bets, interesting takes, find uh, lines with value in them. And that's my it. job. I don't think I would like, I don't think I would like anything that was come evil on. and fiery. I've read, and I want to ask you so many questions. So I'm really happy you're on here. You're arguably yeah. one of the nicest guys I've met in the industry. So I know you're not lying just from the guy that I've known for at least a couple sure. months now. Now I want to, sure. I want to say a couple things. One, anyone that thinks, FanDuel has a vested interest in boosting to trap you. 
you're high. Like that doesn't make sense. You know how exposed they are if they were doing that? It doesn't, all they're trying to do is get you more engaged to have fun on certain positions. Yeah. And if it backfires, that's not their intention. It's a marketing promo and that's nothing wrong with that. Yep. Now handing you the mic, how I, the number one DM I get, and I don't have an answer to this, so I need Austin to fully explain this. The number one DM Matt and I get is we want to be in the sports betting industry. I'm in my 20s. I'm graduating. I My passion is sports betting. How on earth did you get hired by FanDuel? Give us like a couple year breakdown of when you went from outside of the industry to now you're in the industry. So, um, I, so I graduated from the university of Colorado with an accounting degree in 2017 shout out Deion Sanders, by the way, excited about that. And I started in the accounting industry. I had a job as a staff accountant. I was a disaster. I was on probation, basically on the verge of fi getting fired because I just did not like what I was doing. I wasn't passionate whatsoever about it. I found out that organization like that wasn't really my strong suit. And so I split ways there. I ended up in a managerial position, but really to get to the point, what I was doing is since about 2018, 2019, Numberfire uh, put out a tweet. I remember it to this day. So they were saying, hey, we're interested in NASCAR writers. And I had written some very small pay things about NASCAR before. It's one of my favorite sports and one of the ones that I know a little bit more intimately than most people that, that cover sports. So I brought on, I started writing NASCAR there and very, really started to pick up speed. You know, I did a little NBA stuff is when the pandemic hit in 2020. Um, I was a contributor and all of a sudden Maddie knows this well, the only live industry that was going at that point in time was UFC and FanDuel, numberfire.com. There are a lot of guys. Uh, I work with Jim Sonis and Brandon Gadula, who you, some of your listeners might know, um, as big time daily fantasy guys. They didn't know anything about UFC. I knew about UFC. So what they did is they thrust me into this role. I was still pretty much unpaid at this point. I was paid for the hits I did, but, um, I, I just came on their podcast and talked about UFC during the pandemic when it was the only thing going. So I owe my entire career to the pandemic. I acknowledge that all the time. And it really, it was a lot of unpaid work to get there. And then as soon as I started doing the podcast, I started doing it weekly. They paid me for it. Um, and then we, when they had an opening, we negotiated a position for me with the company. So it was a lot of long nights, Saturday, Friday, Saturday nights in grinding NBA injury reports, I um, digging yeah. into analytics. And, you know, it's, it, it, it takes luck, but it also takes a lot of comfort with numbers and it takes uh, a lot of hard work. And just before I have hand my, Maddie the mic, I want to kind of paraphrase what you said. Yeah. You were contributing value before you got hired. That, Correct. That's what I hear. So I'm sorry for everyone else out there. The kid was adding value to people in the industry before he got in the industry. Two, when y'all are out at the bars drinking, saying I could be on ESPN watching the TV, he was actually at home working. So I know it's not glorious and I know people don't want to acknowledge that, but that's the difference. Um, and then you did mention NASCAR. One of my partner in my other business, I don't talk about this business because it's a tech company and it's boring. But my partner, Ashley Kelly, was actually the roadside girl, like the microphone girl. So I wonder if you two ever crossed paths. Uh, her dad, I believe, owned a car at one point. I got to go back. But I'm going to talk to you offline, Austin, about that. And then I want to hand Maddie wow. the mic. Austin, I have a, I have a question for you because this is always my favorite question to ask people that, that bet on sure. sports. How old were you when you got started gambling? Um, so the I specifically remember the first time I signed 
up for a sports book. It was an offshore book. I in I was definitely over eighteen when it happened. Um, <laughs> it was the Minnesota. Yeah, you know what's weird? I was big into daily fantasy at this point. Um, maybe like twenty. I was like eleven. <laughs> wow. I was yeah, no, I was, yeah, I was, I was playing 13. Daily Fantasy, and I was of age to do that, and then it, all of a sudden Daily Fantasy collapses at the Home Run Derby and the All-Star break in baseball, and you've got nothing to do. So I signed up for an offshore book, and I bet on the Home Run Derby, and I've been sports betting since. Um, a, I still love Daily Fantasy. It's one of my one of my prime uh, one of my prime subjects. It's something I really like to do. But uh, yeah, sports betting, definitely a lot of fun when I started. I love it. And do you have any any crazy stories growing up when it comes to gambling or betting in general? Mm, I see I what's I am very abnormal in that I never really placed a lot of like 12 leg 14 leg parlays trying to hit it big I yeah. always felt like that wasn't going to make sense because you're, um, you're a numbers guy <laughs> kind of I mean like uh, a, my single most profitable night that I had was actually more so thanks to daily fantasy it was actually the it, Maddie will remember this the Islam market Chev Tiago Moises uh, card won a few thousand dollars there, but it's um I mostly I mostly stay away from like the lottery tickets if that makes sense. No, no, I love that. So let me let me flip it then. So like, what is is you're probably a perfect person to ask for this for our audience. Like, yeah, what is a good piece of advice you would give to betters because you play fantasy, you bet sports, and you work at Fanduel. So what advice would you give betters? On, on how to you know how to be profitable or really what Gino and I talk about all the time is just losing less money. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. It, it's so. Um, I think I even feel myself struggle with this sometimes. Is that sometimes if you just keep dumping in forty dollars to play the same contest in daily fantasy, or if you keep setting out the number of bets you do in the NFL or on an NBA slate, and it keeps going south, you should not stay at that same unit size. And I know you guys probably talk a lot about bankable management on here. To me, that is that I've been down some paths with that before where I felt like I was having a hard time stopping and I just broke into the industry as is. And just so people at home know, there are restrictions. I cannot play against you or Gino or Maddie on FanDuel. That's one of the company restrictions I have. We have all sorts of betting conditions and limits Mm -hmm. and things like that, um, that are company policy, just part of our employee fair play policy. Policy so that you guys feel like you're not at a disadvantage compared and, to me. And real um, quick, sorry to cut yeah. you off, Austin. No worries. No not worries. to air out dirty laundry. There, yeah. there was like something in the industry, right, where like the people could see the players everyone was using, so they were using like high upside players. It's something like that. Again, I don't want to air out dirty laundry, but it, there was something that happened that got the yeah, employees that, to stop was- using it, right? Yeah, that was actually so that was at a different company and okay. then they were playing on FanDuel, which is why we, we are linked a lot with that particular story. It's Understood. Okay. The company's Makes very uh, common about that. But, you know, it is the type of thing. It's why these policies exist is that um, no one really thought of that before is that someone could take inside information on one site and transfer it to another um so i i opted into these smaller stakes these limits there are certain restrictions i have i can play against other employees at the company and things like that but um what i enjoy much more out of sports betting is um i think it's i think i can feel my stuff to start to get really angry and emotional if i start losing in compounding so i really stick to smart units there's nothing that's unsensible i don't bet anything that i can't afford to lose which i'm sure you guys have heard before uh but i i really think it's made helped me maintain my happy relationship i have with sports betting i i appreciate that and one thing i'll i'll add and it's just my opinion but i think you're alluding to it to me if you bet out of your comfort zone 
the yep. lows are lower than the highs. That's oh, yeah. all I'll say is the, the situations you're going to get yourself in on the low are way lower than like the gold chain you're going to get or the steak dinner you're going to get when you hit a parlay. So I just, I wish I could shake every kid myself at that age, anyone <laughs> under 30 that's betting what they can't afford. So I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. Yeah. No. If you feel, if you feel like you are, when you hit big or you win above your unit size, it feels like you're surviving more so than you're actually winning and uh, doing well and profiting. Good that, call. That is a, that's a very scary place to be. Good call. And then I want to hand you to the mic because I'm last week we did NCAA football and playoffs. I'm going to bug you at the end about that, but sure. I want you and Maddie to talk UFC. I want, I want to learn. I want to be in the room sitting here and here because I can't cap UFC. I've never been able to. All I do is watch line movement and bet value on it just to sure. be entertained. But I want you. It sounds like UFC is how you broke in. So I want to just, if oh, you're, yeah. if you're a fan of UFC, I want you to listen to Maddie and Austin here. How do you, do you guys look for, and again, I'm asking the stupid questions, but please educate me. Do you look yeah. for like a wrestler versus a boxer? Do you look for cardio versus like a fatty? I'm like, give me, give me an example <laughs> of how you find value on UFC because I'm looking at offense, defense, data, and stats. You can't really do that in UFC, or maybe you can. And I just don't know. Get Austin. So, uh, so I, I, my edge that I've tried to take into UFC. That I, I mean, I'm a profitable UFC better. That's something I'm very proud of. So I don't deserve it. But a model that I pull stats for every single Monday, it comes through and I, I put it together. Um, I really am trying to help. There are a few guys that are doing better, more advanced work than me out there, but a mm -hmm. lot of them are not putting their voice to it. And there, I want UFC to become a smart sport. It is one of the, it's like, it's crazy to me. This sport is on ESPN and on Saturday night in a main spot and they don't have proper live scoring. So we don't actually understand right. how many punches are being landed, how many significant strikes are being point. landed. And you and someone can say, well, that that taints the data and it makes it otherwise worthless. My job is to blend it all together. And so I, I've written a few pieces for number fire that if you more than welcome, reach out to me on Twitter. I've talked about striking data and I actually developed this metric that a lot of people call it like significant strike differential per minute. I just took that off and called it a really basic thing. It's striking success rate, striking output minus striking input how much i'm receiving and the guys that are champions that are elite at the sport they dish out a lot more damage than they take in that is almost uniform and i predicted a lot of upsets by looking at that basic metric and then you do factor in how do they do with wrestling how do they do with grappling what are their regional win splits look like there's a guy coming up on this card this weekend i haven't seen him hardly fight i can't get any footage but I know he's won all six of his regional appearances by submission. And that's information that I take in and I meld together in a very analytical way. And a, a lot of people don't cap UFC like that. So I feel like I have a significant advantage a lot of weekends. And let, let me ask one question again, Maddie. Don't laugh. Yeah. I don't know this sport. Are there rules to how you score UFC? Like if I'm yeah. the judge, am I told like a referee in NFL? exactly what i'm supposed to call and not call and how i'm supposed to score like is a is a punch worth a point versus a no. strong punch and, and I, 
to me, and I've said this on Twitter to getting laughed at, I think we would get more UFC winners right if we simply just judge them based on who scored more FanDuel points in Daily Fantasy than actually <laughs> going to the judges. No. Because it, because there is not a specific criteria, and there's all there's this random so there's thing that I get from so, MMA media all the time where they push back and they're like, well, there's damage here versus the other guy's strikes weren't as damaging. Did you feel them? Like, how do you know specifically that's that the is damaging? So I, I hate that, that there's no scoreboard in UFC. Imagine you're at a baseball game and all of a sudden Bruce Buffer dives out to the pitcher's mound and then says, the Rockies won six to five. And you're like, okay, well, that makes sense. They had a bunch of people on base and that, you know, that makes sense. Or no way they got robbed. The other team won. That's it's wild. the dumbest yeah. thing in North American sports to me. So Go Gino, ahead, so Gino, so basically how the UFC scoring criteria works and i'm reading this yeah i'm reading this word for word it's based off of three criteria effective striking and grappling is number one okay yeah effective aggressiveness is number two and octagon control number three like who's setting the pace who's putting pressure on the on the on the other opponent but the uh, like the number one thing that's important in the ufc is damage Interesting. And they judge that in so many different ways, right? Like the, the thing that bothers me is some fighters wear damage differently than others. Correct. Some guys literally have scar tissue and the minute they get hit, the they're blades. gushing blood I everywhere and have bruises versus other guys just don't. And, okay. you know, so it's, it's, but the, the genius thing about the UFC is, in my opinion, is there's so many controversial decisions that only yeah. amplifies the sport because everyone talks about it for the next week. I get so it. So I think point. it actually works in their favor at times. But I mean, I agree with Austin. Like, it would be really cool to see live scoring. I, I'd love to see how that would affect the live betting odds <laughs> because half the time when when people think a fighter is clearly winning, the betting odds don't always reflect that live. And you can look at the odds and, and get in a sneaky bet on a on a big dog live. I mean, and then they get, uh, you know, the favorite gets robbed. I mean, I can't tell you how many shitty decisions. <laughs> Austin and I were on that. What was it like three Dustin weeks Jacoby. ago, Austin? Who was it again? It was Dustin Jacoby. Dustin Jacoby. I was devastated by that. And honestly, that was not even one of the worst robberies <laughs> all year for me. <laughs> like, oh, there's just so many man. of them. Do they score? I remember this. Oh, one. sorry. Go. Gian go Kim against Priscilla Cushueta, the worst robbery I've ever seen in my entire life. Gian Kim against Priscilla Cushueta. Bro, did you see my TikTok video on that? It went viral. I, had, I did. Okay, I was gonna say, I literally Gina has to see this. I I used a green screen picture. Two girls sitting next to each other in the hospital. One was completely mauled, damaged, blood, tissue, scar tissue, bruises. The other girl was just chilling next to her. Guess which girl won, the, according to the judges? The mall. The girl, no, the girl that was sitting there. Yeah, like the completely one that looks mauled. Like yeah, got hit by a car. Exactly. So it's just, it's tough. I mean, it really is. But, and the other thing is like you can win a round uh, convincingly. But then if you lose the other two rounds and the judges don't give you a 10 8 in one round, then you're losing 29 28. So it just depends. But, but yeah, I, I would love to hear Austin. Uh, I know you tweeted at me earlier today. Because I, I said I like the dog. I'd love to hear if there are any underdogs on the card that you like this weekend because I want to see if my dog aligns with yours. So it, it may not be a good thing if we align how that Jacoby decision yeah. went for us. But I have two – I told you I have two multi-unit underdog plays. And this 
this is weird for me. I placed five bets, a couple were favorites on Monday for UFC. I usually only get like one, maybe two max on Monday, but I have two hundred yeah. dogs that I really love. Uh, and I know you love the dogs. I have two and a half units, Chris Curtis against Joaquin Buckley. Ooh. And um that is that came through my model because Curtis uh, impeccable hundred percent takedown defense against some of the best guys in the sport, mm-hmm. better striking efficiency, historic durability. He checks every single box in that fight when Buckley's path to a knockout isn't as plausible as you'd think given his knockdown rate. And then the other one I fired off on was a little bit dicier, I'd say. Uh, I think it was one and a half, two units. I can't remember. Uh, Chris Dawkins against uh, Jersinho Rosenstrike. Doc is a very efficient striker and you know he's been knocked out in a couple of fights by Derek Lewis and by um and by Curtis Blades but those guys are much better much more powerful athletes than Rosenstrike. Rosenstrike's problem is that he doesn't really push a pace to be scared of and by the way I wouldn't be surprised if that Dawkins Brazilian jiu-jitsu training with his brother comes out against Rosenstrike this weekend. So those Dude, are the two I Dawkins say that every time about Dawkins and he never shows anything. But yeah. I mean like the thing is I don't I don't striking yeah, yeah, no, I get it. I, so, so even with with Dawkins, like Curtis Blades, I mean, it's all good. Like you get you get knocked out by Curtis Blades, it's all good, right? I don't judge yeah. him for that, but I still am nervous about backing Dawkins against Rosenstrike just because of the kicks. Like Dawkins is just he can have success in boxing range, but I don't know. And and then uh, on the Chris on the on the Curtis one, I was leaning the opposite side but it was a small lean so you're probably going to get me to stay away from the fight altogether because you've made it some good points right like he has good takedown defense and he has good striking efficiency on the feet um the only thing that i don't like that hasn't aged well is like that jack hermanson loss and then hermanson the lose to roman delizzi last week so i don't know i'll probably stay away from that fight but i want to hear your opinion on my dog because it's actually not that popular and it makes me like it more, but I'm on Bryce Mitchell this week. Yeah. I, I really like Bryce Mitchell. I just, and I don't have all the data points, but I have the eye test. And when I saw him on the feet against Leonardo Barbosa, and I get it, like Barbosa was probably, you know, reluctant due to not wanting to be taken down, but he landed a really nice shot on the feet against him. <laughs> and I believe in Bryce Mitchell. Like, I know Leo Taporia is very good. I bet on Taporia's last fight to win by finish. I sweated it for the first round, but he got it done in the second round. We were literally at the Circa outside in the pools or by the pool area playing blackjack when we watched that fight. And I had to run over to the the bar area to watch that fight. And it was a sweat because Taporia got knocked down. But there's a part of me that feels like Bryce Mitchell, Bryce Mitchell could knock down to Ilya on the feet. And win a decision here, or maybe yeah. even a late, a late uh, finish, maybe a second, late second or third round finish. What are your thoughts on that fight? Do you feel there's any value on? It's probably plus one thirty or more on bet openly. I've seen it as at plus one fifteen, the plus one twenty five on Fanduel and DraftKings. Yeah, so I already have a unit on Mitchell, and Let's so go. I think it's interesting. I want I want your listeners to be able to hear the difference in our handicasts. And you, honestly, my advice to anyone out there is doing what I did: take what works, take what sounds like, it, take what you see sounds sounds good, and like that's how the fight plays out. And that's something I want to check in my research. What I'm looking at with Saporia is that he was dropped on the feet by Jai Herbert. Mm-hmm. Jai Herbert bottom five in active lightweight strike. 
consistency. That's really concerning to me, even though he was up in weight. Also, a weird fight with Ryan Hall where he was kind of lost before that, if you remember that fight for Tavoria. And then he ends up finding a knockout from like hammer fists in grappling range. Very uncommon. Um, You know, it does speak to his power, but his level of competition isn't anywhere close to Bryce Mitchell. And I say that word on my podcast on UFC at least 12 times a weekend about about level of competition. Mm -hmm. Mitchell has now run through Andre Feely and he ran through Edson Barboza, who's been in there with Habib Nurmagomedov, Justin Gaethje. Bro, he mauled Barboza. He absolutely mauled him. And I know he's not even in his prime anymore. Right, right. Defense fundamentals don't go away. And so I get, I get, I gave the lean to Mitchell right as well. So I certainly don't want to pay the favored price on Taporia there. I think it's his dog as fast as you go. Yeah, and, and I fired a unit on Mitchell, but um, Taporia is one of those guys I don't think I'd want to have multiple units against. I just haven't seen his path to failure yet. Um, I'll be interested to see if we get it on Saturday. Cool. Yeah, Go no, on. I totally agree. Going back, obviously, I'm I'm a casual, so don't laugh. But I think we no, were wait. in Vegas for Patty the Batty, right? Didn't he? Yeah, so first or yeah, that round. was the same card uh, Taporia was on. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure. The I was going to ask the, the obviously I know the people that are popular. I think he's yeah. hilarious. His you know his haircut, his yeah. voice, all that. Yeah. And isn't Raul Rosas Jr. that the problem child, the El Nino problemo? Isn't he like the young? Yeah, like he's 18. Because before he was under 18, obviously that's how time works. But didn't he fight before he was 18? Was he the first yes. person ever on the Contender Series? And isn't that isn't that insane? Yes, he has a it, dude. He has a head like a freaking pit bull. <laughs> he does. He almost <laughs> pulled off a Suvlov stretch in in that in that contender series fight, which is I think there's less than five of those submissions in UFC. So, so you're talking like, about a really high level guy. Okay, so he's young, but he's like legit. Like we're gonna be hearing his name for a while. UFC UFC has been around long enough now that you are gonna start to see these generational prospects. Whereas UFC, like in the Chuck Liddell era wasn't quite like that technical whereas you're gonna see guys like rosas that have been training their entire life and like is this rosas guy like like just crazy favorite like comes out like minus 200 or is that they gave a very advantageous matchup right maddie that would you say that as well yeah no, i agree it's almost like like bellator does like this developmental agreements like our buddy pat downey's fighting friday i'm actually flying to uh connecticut on thursday to the mohegan sun and every time pat fights you know and i are like dude we got a bet on him, and then I pull up DraftKings and FanDuel, and he's minus fifteen hundred. His last fight, he closed at like minus twenty five hundred. I don't even remember what the odds were. It was something. It might have been higher than that. It was considered the high, the the heaviest favorite in like MMA history or some shit. It was insane. Um, but yeah, I think the UFC is going to kind of spoon feed him right now. It's, it sure. seems like. And and that's something I want to add. If you really like betting on UFC, I truly firmly believe this. There, UFC makes fights that they want one guy to win. They don't, Facts. it's not rigged. Yeah. It's not rigged. There's not like a set scripted winner or anything like that, but they set up matchups that people want to win. They did that for Sean O'Malley forever and turned out Sean's pretty good. Ends up beating Jan in that tight decision yeah. uh, a, few, a few months ago, but um, they absolutely do spoon feed people and we should take advantage of that as betters to know who they are trying to promote. And Rosas is a good example of that. Are they doing that for Patty the Batty? Yeah, I was going to yes. ask you, what are your thoughts? He's got a very advantageous matchup for him is the way it looks analytically for me. But do you feel like, because he's up to like minus 250 now, and I, I believe, yeah. don't quote me, but I believe it opened in like the 180, the 200 range. Um, do you feel there's any value on him at this point or you just have to pass on it? 
I see I, when money lines get that big. Since my my primary day job with FanDuel is talking about daily fantasy, that's where I love to play daily fantasies. I can get behind those heavy favorites like uh, yeah. like Patty this weekend, and like I I count their scoring output, and you, that's kind of almost like betting them inside the distance. Really, daily fantasy is just an X player parlay. Is all it is. Yeah. Uh, and so, and so like with Patty, I will get, I, I'll try to be overweight in daily fantasy, but no, I, I wouldn't, even at that pretty fair price by an unnamed book that you mentioned there, that's pretty, <laughs> pretty appealing, um, it compared to others. But, uh, I, I don't think, I don't think I usually get into that minus 200 plus territory because honestly we've seen freak injuries and so, more than that, a hundred percent, but do you, but do you ever bet exact outcomes or round props? Cause I love that shit. Like, like that's, to me, it's a, the gens version. That's Maddie's parlay. It's like a, the gens yeah. version. Exactly. It's a, the gens version of like being somewhat disciplined, but not like to me, it's like, I'd rather bet on a fighter to win a certain way in a certain round than picking five fighters to win in a parlay. Because to me, the five fighters to all win want yeah. like you can pick five huge but favorites and one. I get it. Breaks their their or tears their knee out in the first round yep. and your parlays toast. So and that's a good reason the bet openly contests are a lot of fun because like you can go four and one and still win the contest. But with with uh with with exact round props like I love that shit. I know Austin, you probably seen some of my recent cards, but like I love just like looking at how I think a fight's gonna play out, and then even if I sprinkle on like around three, four or five finish. Um, I just, if, if I feel like it's going to go that way based off of the fight footage, based half of both guys, what both guys want to do in a fight, their gas tanks, everything. I feel like I can, I've had some nice wins that way. I had Alex Pereira on that plus 2,900 hit yeah. in the fifth round. Obviously that was a little bit lucky too, but I just think that to me is like the, the, the most fun thing is like, if you can nail a fighter on the exact way they're going to win in a specific round, it pays huge. <laughs> well, yeah. So Austin, let me ask you, I'm going to take what Maddie just said and ask it in two questions. Yeah. One, what's the line that you draw that you will not go minus over? I don't, I don't care. Like just what, what, do, what money line dollar amount is just like, is it 250? Like what, what's minus the number you draw the line? Yeah. Minus 250. I won't lay anything over minus 250. I've laid a few minus 200s, 220s this year. I will not lay minus 250 plus. Okay. So anyone listening? Very educated sports writer for UFC draws the line at 250. And then mm -hmm. the second question, Maddie got all excited over here. He's like, you should watch him watch it. He thinks he's in the ring, dude. I was filming him when we were oh in Vegas. God, I love he it. sits there and paces like a pit bull guarding <laughs> his front door. He thinks they're going to tap him in. Like, hey, hey, um, guys, someone got hurt. Come on in, Maddie. But I'm going to ask you, Austin, yeah. do you dabble with exact finishes or exact results? What would you call that? Is, it's is an exact proper exact, exact, exact outcome. Yeah. Yeah. Exact outcome props. I I will say this in regards to to Maddie's thing. Even though it kind of feels like a lighter ticket, I think that's actually where the most value is in UFC bets. Now, I have not personally developed a model or way of predicting them very well. Every week, I have a betting guide that I put out on numberfire.com. I usually so my the key components are every week I do a two legger parlay. So instead of betting minus two fifty straight, I usually take two minus two hundred favorites big or bigger and I slap them together. Uh -huh. That thing's twenty two and ten. This year, wow! Uh, and Nico Price cost me last week, but needless oh, to say, about Bro, did that, you see what I, I had in that? Together. Did you see what I had in that fight? I did. <laughs> I did. Um, I, I, I DM'd Maddie. A lot of sharps were on row last week, and I was split, and I, I paid the price for it. But um, and then I'll do a straight better too. 
or, or three if it's maybe a bigger card and I'm seeing the value. I'll probably have three this week. And then I do a dart, uh, which is plus 400 or bigger. Uh, could be an exact outcome. Got and uh, sometimes I've gone as high as like plus 1,500, plus 2,000 mm. individual outcomes. I remember um, – there was a squash match. A lot of one, one of the things I like to target is the club and sub. So even if you think you're projecting a striking match, if the other guy's got the other guy bad enough hurt, he can grab a neck and get a submission finish. So if it's like plus twenty nine hundred out there, you might as well throw a quarter unit on it and see if it's worth worth yeah. a lottery ticket. So I think there is value value in those lines, and the reason I know it is because a lot of those lines follow the same sequ- sequential handicapping. Given that I pull all of them. Over and over again. Like there is a certain amount of value applied to round one finishes, round two finishes, round three finishes. And I believe that those can be different based on handicapping the fighters at hand. I, Matt, what Maddie's saying is 100% correct. My problem as a data guy, I have a hard time to quantify it. That's yeah. my biggest. Well, here's situation. the other thing about all of that is betters can't beat those lines and odds up. Like these sports books don't release those exact outcome props to like a day in advance sometimes. Friday, yeah. Like, uh, whereas if you're going to, and I, I want to ask you this because this is in my opinion, and this is something I don't even do and I should be doing, but if you want, if you're serious about making money in UFC, you should be betting favorites weeks in advance. I yeah. mean, like weeks in advance, like as soon as there's actually softwares online where you can like, as soon as a, a, a fight becomes available on a certain sports book, you can go on and see what those odds are. And I mean, in MMA, it's it's drastic. I mean, a minus 150 favorite will literally be minus 300 the day of the fight. It's insane. Yep. It, it just gets juiced as people are walking into the arena, you know, turning um, on the card, yep. and they want to bet on the favorites. They want to bet on the guys that are winning, and it just juices those and that, lines. And that's up. another reason that I do these exact outcome props because – Let's be honest, like I'm, I'm in betting for just as much for myself as like I want people to tail my stuff and and and, and do it with me, right? And if I put out a, a pick, 99% of people are not betting it three weeks in advance, right? Because they're not tying up those units in their, in their bankroll or in their sports sure. book. So that's another reason why like, like if I go into a fight a day of, I usually put my card out the day before. Um, I'm not going to take a favorite that's lost 40% on the dollar, like 40 cents on the dollar because they've now been bet down so much. So that's just another reason I love the exact outcome props because they're not released to like, you know, late in the week up until the fight. And I love them. For sure. I, uh, it, it, one last thing that I'd add on that. Mm-hmm. I think, I think UFC betting, you have to go inches, not miles. And what I mean by that is that my max unit size for UFC betting is three units. I will not go above that because um, I've been burned by your Muhammad Makayev against Gerald Mearsharts of the world where <laughs> everything in my model points to a 99% win condition and it just doesn't happen. Um, I have only made two of those three unit bets this year. I'm one and one. Uh, I lost Serkinov a few weeks ago and then I won um, Carlos Olberg at the last pay-per-view UFC 281. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm very selective about that. I think you have to chip away at this sport because it is random there are a lot of dumb random things that happen yeah and it requires a lot of patience if you want it to be profitable totally no totally agree well let's let's come up with let's i know you said you do two teamers let's give the people you give me your favorite pick of the week i'll give you mine and let's make a two-legger for uh and gino can put it in the uh to bet openly we'll see what it pays yeah sounds um so do you have uh, do you want to go first? Because I got a few guys highlight yellow. I'm going stuff. Bryce Mitchell. I'm putting the the plus money in our parlay. Wow, here. I have okay. to do it. Now that's now that's different then because I, if I'm looking most confident at I got odds, you. All right, all right, yeah, you go first. Let me let me find mine then. 
Yeah. I see Bryce Mitchell's plus one twenty five. That's not bad. I got. I got. What you got? I got my guy. I get Edmund Shabazian. I I have minus three ten as the odds listed in here. I, I'm not sure what it is wherever you're crafting it, but yeah. uh, Shabazian taking on um, Dalcha Lungambu, a very unskilled guy, kind nice. of an ugly brawler wrestler. Where Shabazian came out as this golden child, you know, he fought tough fight against Jack Hermanson, um, uh, a few tough fights, I had a tough fight against Derek Brunson in a main event as well. Fought a lot higher level of competition. He's a very skilled guy, and he just came off a loss to Nasir Day Imabov. Guess what? He's better than we think. Too. So I love Shabazzian to rebound at minus 310. He'll for sure, when I write my betting guide on number five tomorrow, he will be a lock to be in that guy. I like it. We'll, we'll keep this as a clip that we can all share everywhere. So we won't say any names, but I'm going to mess up these names. But hear me out. Edmund Shabazzian parlayed to Bryce, yeah, Mitchell, to Bryce Mitchell. I'm seeing plus 195. Mm. Not bad. So if you go with no. Austin's number one pick, Edmund. I like that a lot, actually. And uh, Maddie's number one pick, Bryce Mitchell. I'm you're looking at gonna, plus 195. So we'll, actually, we'll leave it there so that yeah. can get shared everywhere. I'm going to actually put that in right now. I like it. So yeah. two guys giving out their number one plays, plus 195. Edmund to Bryce. For sure. Uh, I know you want to dive into the some. The funny thing about peer-to-peer, if someone's taken Ilya Taporia, Dolce Gungambula, money line, um, <laughs> call, call me. Yeah, <laughs> we could head to head Chipotle burritos if you want. <laughs> I love it. I love it completely. And that one seems like uh, th- this is where, like, I again, I'm just trying to learn the industry. But from what I've seen, the reason um, it's so hard for me is I just don't know what data to look at. Like, I don't know. How do I explain this? It's like if I see a team that's really good in the rush and they're playing yeah. someone that's really good at pass defense. I can't even really look at their last couple of games because yeah. the people they're playing don't do the same thing. So I don't even yeah. know where to start. So I'm sorry for being so square. That's what I'm like trying to fathom here is like, do, how do well, I it's even the same know thing. So like, up with let's you? say, all right. So what, everything you just said makes sense. Let's say a striker is about to fight a striker, but mm-hmm. in the strike one striker a in his last two fights have fought wrestlers. You yep. might not look at that. That's the same concept, so, right? Because I get it. Because if that striker got taken down in his last two fights against wrestlers early, he obviously couldn't have showcased. No, of course, of course. Sorry, let me rephrase. Striker, you just said something. Striker, wrestler. How, how many are there? Like, what? What are the? What is there? Jujitsu striker and wrestler. What? Are, like, how many? I, how many variables are there? I'd put the ratio at 60, 20, 20. I'm curious to what Matt thinks. Is there only three though? Strikers. Is, is there only three things? Striker, those are the, wrestling, those jiu-jitsu? Those are the three domains of MMA okay. as I refer to them on my podcast. Striking, wrestling, and grappling. Those are the grappling, three domains okay. I refer to. Okay, so that now we're getting somewhere. Yeah. So And then do we have people that are labeled aggressor and defense, or does that fall into the other three categories naturally? Like, would, is there a striker I, that's just always aggressive or is there a striker that's always a counterpunch? Yeah, there's like, there's, so there's like knockout artists of guys that just want to put you out early. And then okay. there's guys that sit back and counter strike. And then there's guys that are just defensive. And, um, and so are there guys that just flat out have a motor? What's the one dude that won't Colby, take a, Colby he won't Covington. take a, he won't take a fight under five rounds, right? Is that true? Or is that a rumor? There are a lot of guys Colby. that, that okay. are like are that. Colby? I think Colby is a guy that stands up. Max Holloway to me is a guy that has a gas tank that just goes and goes and okay. goes. Those guys are freaks of nature, man. Yeah. Got it. And like, so that I, to me, so now I, I'm starting to see. Okay. Yeah. So there's three, yeah, three main categories. I quantify that in fantasy points because the more things that fighters are doing, the better their fantasy points rates out. It really helps me judge pace. Yeah. 
And so let's give you a chance to showcase FanDuel. I haven't, we're, we're, we're all friends here. Tell me when you do fantasy with UFC, is it points based on the number of take? Is it literally like a third party scoring this? Yeah, so we do have third-party scoring. The way the scoring breakdown is, is you pick six fighters. One of them is your MVP, meaning they get one and a half times the original fantasy point scoring. Sense. So that person, like I would I would go to Shabazian this week as a guy that I thought was a dominant favorite that had finishing potential that would score points and push the pace. You know, those are all three of those boxes are hard to check. And then they get points for significant strikes, takedowns, submission attempts, and knockdowns are the holy grail uh, if you get a guy that badly hurts another guy and puts him on the canvas. And let me stir up some shit here. How many times is the guy that has more fantasy points than the other guy losing the fight? Are we talking like one in 50 or like one in five? Um, you're you're close to talking closer to one in 50. And that's that's why I believe it's so much in that method of like general activity to me is a good thing. I don't like going down the damage loophole because I think more often than not you get the same answer of which guy is battered and bruised by who's doing more uh, there are a lot of guys in UFC that pace themselves because they just simply don't have the cardiovascular endurance to push that type of pace mm -hmm. and they're losing the fight while they're sitting there watching and th this is where I just block out all the noise to like Austin let off saying you know I don't believe in fixed I don't believe in fixed sports I think the, the industry is too large to have yeah. that going on but I hear so many people complain. So, guys, there's a card this Saturday, right? What is there, 10 fights? Uh, I think 12 now. Okay, so 12 fights. That's awesome. Is there, I feel like every Saturday, someone got robbed. Is there one robbing every week, or is that just people being fanatics? Well, the, in my opinion, there's a difference between a robbery and a close Correct. decision. And that's right. what I'm talking robbery. I'm talking about I literally am dancing to the ticket booth and then they announce yeah. and I'm like, I just got robbed. Is it one a weekend or one a month? Once I think a, once a month. Yeah, I would say okay. once a month. I mean, the ones that come to mind. So when I was at Vegas last time around, oh, I'm trying I'm blanking on the fight now, but I wanted to get Austin's opinion on this. Which one was it? Oh, uh, uh, oh man, the leech. The leeches fight. Who did he fight? Oh, it's uh, Daniel Rodriguez. Yeah, against Daniel, Daniel Rodriguez. Rodriguez. I was literally like, to Gino's point, I was walking yeah. to the fucking counter to cash my ticket. I could yeah. not believe he lost that decision. So I want to know your opinion. Was that one a robbery or just a close decision? I I thought that was I thought that was a close decision. I had Rodriguez winning the fight. So, oh, I, so there's, some, there's for, some bias there then. <laughs> a, a bit, but I also, I'm just see, the thing is, is that when I'm watching fights in real time, I am not like a judge in that I, because right. of my job, I am watching significant strike numbers. So I can see the thing about judging is they don't really know which shots are landing, which aren't, especially like lower weight classes. It's so fast. It is so fast. Yeah. You can't really see what's going on there uh, until the big impactful moments. I am watching the striking numbers, so I see which guy is actually pushing the pace. I see which guy is more efficient, which guy is doing more in the wrestling and the control time department. So I don't judge fights like judges do, if that makes sense. And that whole fight, I saw Rodriguez was landing more efficiently. That, um, so That makes sense to me. I, I, when I make my power rankings in Algo, I don't make them like an NFL analyst. I make them like a better. Yeah. So I kind of do the opposite. Um, I don't want to steal your guys' combo, but I do want to get some – NCAA football playoff out of you if you do that and if you don't tell me I do I okay. yeah I primarily I work in a daily fantasy with college but I also write a bunch of betting guides I've been uncovering the spread with Jim so yeah I do a lot of betting stuff too Maddie before I steal the combo no, anything else you want to cover yeah, on? yeah you're all good all right so we got the top four teams right do you disagree yep. with any out of the gate let's start with that um no no 
particularly. I thought Ohio State and Alabama had a very close argument. Alabama lost a couple of uh, plays on the very last minute. But honestly, I think there was part of it is in a down year where Alabama had so many down performances, do we want to let them in again? And I think that's some of that precedent went into choosing Ohio State. I don't have a problem with the order either. Fair enough. So I, I'll, I'll throw people a bone and then I'll also disagree a little. I actually really thought Alabama should have got in over Ohio State just because yeah. how badly Ohio State got beat. Sure. And I was actually looking at it the opposite way. Did Ohio State have a better win beating Penn State than Alabama had to showcase? Yes. No. No, no I'm saying uh, Ohio State had a better win than Alabama with, by beating Penn State. But, excuse me, it, see, oh, okay. Ohio State had a better win than Alabama with that top 10 win, but they also had a way worse loss. So yeah. I guess I was just like, I thought Bama was going to sneak in. I don't hate that they didn't. I'm so grateful they gave TCU third. Me too. Because I don't know. I, again, I, I get that they have this little rivalry up there and the, the, those two schools think that the world revolves around them. But I believe the rest of the country will be happy with Georgia, Ohio State, and TCU, Michigan. For sure. And by the way, I tweeted this in live time on Saturday. I said TCU should be in no matter what because college football overtime is a circus and they should not lose their playoff spot because the two-point conversions fell the wrong way. I I, I could play the two-point conversions. I love that. I, I actually agree. The TCU resume was very impressive to me, what they did all year. And I I have that like asterisk, like can you get eliminated in your championship game? I guess uh, I'm going to be one of those people. I really think we need a six-team playoff. I know they're going to expand it even past that, I believe. Sure. I, I just think one and two should get a bye, and then three through six should play. But that that's my opinion. I don't think we should have that many more games. Now, I want to drill you. Does Ohio State have a chance against Georgia? Oh, yeah. They definitely do because Ohio State – the thing is, is that you need an elite offense with elite NFL playmakers in order to make hay against Georgia. And Ohio State's pass protection is very good as well to block um, 88 Carter. I forget his first name right now. That guy is a monster. Um, but he, but when you look at Ohio State, they have the perimeter playmakers that can go one-on-one -on -one with Georgia's corners in their secondaries. They're going to have to double Marvin Harrison. Jackson Smith, the Jigba, is going to be back in the fold and 100% healthy for Ohio State after this month off. I absolutely think Ohio State can compete in that football game. Now, defense Defensively is going to be a different story as far as can they stop Georgia. I like a really high scoring game in that in that both teams, I think, are going to struggle to stop each other. And I think Ohio State can execute better than they did. They had a lot of injuries toward the end of the year, especially in the backfield with their tailbacks. Um, I think the month off will do them well. And right now they're hearing chirps about how they shouldn't be there. Um, so I think they've got a chance. Fair enough. And then jumping right into the second game, TCU, Michigan. Yeah. So I can't wait to watch it. Um, I, I haven't dove into the betting number. I, I saw it was like nine and a half. Um, and the thing about TCU is they do have a lot of interesting guys that are going to play on Sunday offensively. Quentin Johnston, he can go one-on-one -on -one with any corner in the country. Kendra Miller is going to be an NFL back. Duggan, Duggan being banged up is definitely a concern, but Michigan's defense – it had moments of lapses, like Maryland was able to move the football on them. Illinois was able to move the football on them. TCU is a good offense. I don't think that they'll be outmatched there. My problem is, can they match up defensively in the size to stop the Michigan run game? Cora might be back and Donovan Edwards as well. Um, that is going to be the challenge for them. I, a lot of points I'm expecting in this year's CFP, but uh, I can't wait to watch the games. Uh, and and I think they should be decently competitive, which is not a fun thing to say about CFP games because they haven't been in what five years. So <laughs> yeah, no, it makes sense. I and to, uh, I agree with everything you just said. I just want to add a layer to it. Sure. I I couldn't believe that the Georgia spread opened up smaller 
than the yeah. Michigan spread. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I thought Georgia was going to open up around or be at nine and a half. And I thought Michigan would be right where it is. So I was very surprised to see that Michigan's seven and a half and Georgia's seven. Um, if I'm betting this today, I'm going to, you know, watch and we'll hear about the hype. Sure. I actually don't think Ohio State has a chance in that game. I think. Wow. Interesting. I just think I just from what I've seen. And again, I've been I don't know. It's it's just that I. I, I had Kansas State over TCU and I made a video saying, I'm sorry, but this is just, just a terrible matchup for them a second time. It is. And I, oh man, I just don't see a world where Georgia isn't able to shut down Ohio State like Michigan did. I just, maybe it's the SEC bias. Maybe it's everything I've seen all year. This Georgia team is a machine. I was more nervous, it's going to sound backward, more nervous that it was seven than if it was like 10 and a half. I'm like, wait, someone smarter than me knows what's going on. Is it just the popularity of Ohio State? Because I hope it is. Um, I don't know. It's just wild to me. And I actually do think TCU is going to compete with Michigan. Um, so that, yeah, I, I love the seven and a half. I'm not going as far as saying take the money line, but yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the seven and a half with TCU. I was not impressed with that first half of Michigan versus Purdue. Yeah, um, I just saw if, if Purdue can do that to Michigan, TCU can. And hang, I know it's not how it ended, but. That's where I'm at. I'm, I'm out of the gate. I'm Georgia blindly hammering. Yeah. I'm TCU hammering. I'm, I'm taking the minus seven and the plus seven and a half. I, I will say this. Analytical models love Ohio State because of their offensive efficiency. And I'm about to tell you something that might make you very angry. Please. Um, but Ohio State, if they rematch Michigan on a neutral field, so potentially the championship game, uh, our numbers would have Ohio State at about two or three point favorite. And I, I think I'd take the Buckeyes. Yeah, that um, doesn't very scare me at all. Yeah, so I so you're so you're more so a little bit more down on Michigan is than what it sounds like. Yeah, but yeah. I honestly, just anecdotally, not even diving into the numbers yet, the way LSU with Nussmeyer was able to move the ball on Georgia's secondary when they completely abandoned their run game, that's what Ohio State does at as an elite level. They put NFL guys on the perimeter one on one, just like LSU had. But then you have CJ Stroud, who's a Heisman finalist, a couple of years running now, running the show. I, I I totally get where you're coming from, and I could see them getting pushed around defensively, and it wouldn't surprise me. But um, yeah, yeah, these are two interesting games, man. I think we really lucked out that the committee decided not to rematch the game in in the first one. I completely agree. That was like literally my only ask. I, again, I was dead wrong. I, th I thought Alabama was going to sneak in just because of the ass kicking Ohio State yeah. took. Um, I basically said, hey, for those two teams to play each other, they each need to win a game like to, to, re to make us rewatch it. So that would be an electric uh, championship. I'll, I will sure. say that. So, um, but I just, I may, maybe I'm super square side here. This is going to be one of those ones where I watch the money distribution. If more money's on Ohio State, I'm going to hammer Georgia. If more money's on Georgia and the line sticks, I will not be on Ohio State. I'm, I'm that boring of a better. But everything I saw on what Michigan did against Ohio State, and I'm just talking offense versus defense, I was like, Georgia can do that, and they will do that. So Very um, interesting. That, that was my assessment. And then the TCU, I think K-State is offense is substantially – you know, substantially different how they spread the ball out. Yeah. First Michigan. So I was happy for TCU. Like not trying to be a jerk. I don't think they had a shot in hell versus Georgia. Yeah. So I was just like, oh, they could actually win this game. Like it, it would take a little bit, you know, it would take a really clean slate and getting a couple turnovers, but that's all you ask for, right? It's just a, ch a chance to win. 
that is yeah that that is all you ask is a chance to win by the way uh one of my favorite new year's six targets that came out um i can't remember now who they're playing but i love Tulane's spread in the in the group of six game usc Tulane handled kansas state for 60 minutes earlier this year that is a good football team with an elite defense and i love them in 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 that game against sc that can't yep sc and i i blindly said i said Tulane, money line, bet it now because the sharps are gonna. If not, if you they don't, absolutely are. Yeah. So, and then while while I have you, just like you said, the the New Year's four. Um, where is this damn one? It's January second, I believe, because we have NFL Sunday. Um, yep. so it's January second. Uh, the, the other one, LSU's minus eight versus Purdue. I'm going square side on LSU. I wanted your take on that game, and then one more. Uh, oh, this uh, that game real quick. So I would I I would minus eight against Purdue. The problem with Purdue is they can't they can't stop the passing attack, and that's LSU. That LSU tries to run the ball, they're not very good at it. And when I think about their offensive efficiency on the outside against Purdue, I probably would lean square side as well. I, I'm like you. I would want to watch the money to see if some really well respected groups were coming in on Purdue for whatever reason. I I think Purdue's probably a tinge overvalued how they they performed against Michigan. Michigan was not fully dialed in on Saturday, whereas LSU just got wiped. I, I probably would take LSU, and it wouldn't surprise me if the public started hammering that spread over a touchdown and the very last game i'll ask about and no disrespect to the other games but yeah. k-state plus three and a half plus 180 uh bama roll tide Ooh, that that's an interesting one um i boy yeah, alabama's run defense is still elite and that is the key to neutering kansas state i think kansas state lost uh, against Oklahoma earlier this year when Gabriel was playing because Oklahoma was able to stop the run that game. No, it wasn't Oklahoma. It's was a different game. I, I don't remember which one it was, but if Bama can stop the run and they are a top five defense in terms of yard per attempt in, in FBS, I think I would lay three and a half with Bama in that spot. Um, but in motivation, I, I'd want to look up some trends on Saban in New York's New Year's six and non CFP bowl games, because I feel like Alabama always kind of waltzes into those without very much motivation and ends up not covering. I, I would like to see trends on that for That's sure. Good point. That's fair. I do see one more, but I, I want to let you go, but I'm going to, I'm going to sneak in one more question. Whatever you got. I think it's an exciting game. I don't think people are going to talk about it, but they're going to bet the hell out of it. Yeah. Clemson's minus seven versus Tennessee. Yeah. Which Tennessee uh, are we going to get? It, it, I, very interesting game because you have two brand new quarterbacks there. Cade Klubnick probably going for Clemson since DJ Oliagola is in the transfer portal right now. Uh, and then obviously uh, Milton for for Tennessee as well. I think I would take Clemson minus seven. Motivation there is that Klubnick is the guy it club nick is is the guy that is going to be moving forward they have a lot to build on with that bowl game and by the way when you look at the actual x's and o's matchup of what the two teams do well uh clemson has an elite pass defense they've been very good in that regard kind of underwhelming a little bit against the run compared to some old clemson teams whereas tennessee they like to air it out they like to throw they like to go fast um really is kind of a fun game club nick i think it's gonna be a blast yeah you know i honestly i honestly thought but Clemson had, I think Clemson sold by not playing Club Nick from when we saw him in Georgia Tech, against Georgia Tech in the opener. He was amazing. Uyagulay really farted around to a couple of losses that they shouldn't have had, yep. and they could have been in the CFP as well. So I think I think I get those teams, and I don't I don't really know how Tennessee is going to respond. I think the only game that they played after Hooker went down was Vanderbilt, and they beat the crowd out of them. So um, I'd really have to dive deep into those schedule-adjusted metrics to figure out what I'm getting from the balls. And, and just to hang on this, I 
I don't know if it's going to happen, but I know Tennessee will be getting more public tickets than Clemson. Yeah. If they can, if the public tickets can beat that down to six, I will be all over Clemson. I, I'm hoping that's where it goes. I see it at seven right now, and they're probably going to let it sit for there. Not too much money flowing in, but that's to me, that was just the reason I asked. And you kind of said what I wanted to say. I think if I can get Clemson minus six, it'll be one of my bigger bowl bets of all for the bets sure. I've named. And I, I just have enough hope that so many people are still high on Tennessee when they were ranked one and still thought they should have made and all these things. I'm just hoping the public comes in and does me, does me a solid and buys me down to six. They were a popular public team all year. Tennessee was, I, I, and you know, they covered a few of those public sides, but one. Quarterbacks, they really overestimate the drop, especially in college. Uh, from the starter to the backup, unless it's like a Caleb Williams type of guy. Absolutely overestimated. Thank you, brother, for coming on. I'll hand the mic to Maddie. Thank you so much, Austin. It was my pleasure, guys. I I really, even though I work for the Evil Empire, I admire <laughs> and I support what you guys do. You know, as this becomes federally legal, hopefully in in not the too distant future, peer to peer betting makes a lot of sense. And so, um, I respect you guys as hustle. I respect what you're trying to do for the betting community. And Gino and I've talked about this before. You know, my employer and Bet Openly, we kind of need each other because there are certain things you can't provide with peer to peer that FanDuel can provide and just throw out same game parlays and let you have fun uh, betting games and, and you know putting out those insane first basket parlays or whatever you want. <laughs> exactly. Um, with, with FanDuel that and so um I, I i think we're frenemies in that regard and i'd be happy to come on with you guys at any time i've i both loved your hustle uh for forever on tiktok and it just happened to we cross paths through book it so thank you um, that's really cool yeah and, and all i'll say i'm really glad you said that because i actually don't think we're on alternative paths i actually think the two paths will for sure closely intertwine i believe both companies, both paths, both features, the, f- the future of sports betting will actually have all of the big guys offering similar um, options. And like you said, no one is going to house a 12-team parlay. So you always need the books. No one's going to house all these, the nuanced props and those things that are so exciting for the entertaining for sure. side. So I, I actually think we're on, what do you call it? Like we're, both trains are actually on the same track. We're just going at it a little different. Yeah, I always tell- It's a rocket ship. Yeah, exactly. I always tell betters, I'm like, nobody's trying to tell you to use bet openly instead of a book. We're trying to tell you, like, use it additionally to a book. Use it as a tool because it's just like if you're going to bet a favorite or an underdog on the money line or the spread, especially in a primetime game, it's crazy to not leverage bet openly for that. But at the same time, if I want to take a UFC fighter to win in a certain round, I'm using a sports book for that. So it's one of those things where and live betting so much better with a book. You can't peer to peer. You can't. The only thing we can never do is I got a few live time. bets in the last couple of weeks. Okay. I was surprised that they, they but failed, I mean, but it isn't easy. I still I still use books. So like I, I, I got to sit from a place of. Yeah, they provide a service and I believe they exist. And I genuinely believe there's going to be partnerships in the near future where they're working together and doing different things. So I, I, I we joke that you work for the evil empire. That's why we had you on. Yeah, no, for sure. And by the way, I feel I feel so good about my company. I feel like they do it the right way, the the way Agreed. it's supposed to be done. They're not setting Drew Brees on fire. Um, <laughs> what, what, uh, what was that? It, who I, I who wrote idea. that up and, and so then five people problem. nodded and said that's a good idea? Oh my god! Can you here's believe that? Fav- now, I, here's my favorite thing about you guys' concept: is that some <laughs> troll on Twitter will go after Maddie saying you are high putting your money there and maddie just brings a link in and says fine take my money if you think so. and then they and go crickets go away 
they all they, just yeah it's either crickets or they're like oh i'm not using that wax site like, i okay. i have a i have a theory and i'll we'll end with this but i don't want to demonize you i think a lot more people that create content don't actually bet it's that's not my, a theory. That's we, my know, theory we know this is true i i know there's a lot of gamblers out there but i'm starting to question how many influencers actually back up their bets and that's why i love that maddie and i are here's a link brother here put here's the money let's see yeah. it yeah for sure they're all on cpa they're all on cpa deals with prize picks and DraftKings yeah. and FanDuel, and yeah. they're just converting people and they're just you know and it, again it, it is what it is it's, it's their hustle it's their business but like don't 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 bullshit us like like <laughs> gino know. and i have seen behind the scenes these people don't actually bet I'm on the Action Network app at Aceswing3 if you want to follow me. Every listed like official bet that I have, not if I'm screwing around or whatever, but every official bet I have on there, like anything I write up on number fire. Perfect. And where can where can everyone Everybody follow? Oh, sorry, you're breaking out. What'd you say, Austin? Oh, I, and I said they can tail me there. What what was your question? It where, broke it broke up a little. Can you just give everyone all your handles? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I'm on Twitter. I am on the Action Network app. If you want to tail all of my bets in the unit sizes that I write on Numberfire, even some that I, I don't have an opportunity to write up, I am at aswaim3, A-S-W-A-I-M-3. I'm also on TikTok, even though I'm not very good at it, and I'd like to uh, get better doing those type of things. But you can follow me at any of those three places. I will always reach out and say what's up if you follow me back. Cheers, Amen. brother. Thanks, bro. Thanks, guys. Later. On a warm summer's evening. On a train bound for nowhere, I met up with a gambler. We were both too tired to sleep, so we took turns of staring out the window at the darkness. The boredom overtook us, and he began to speak. He said, Son, I've made a life out of reading people's faces and knowing what the cards were by the way they held their eyes. So if you don't mind my saying, I can see you're out of faces or a taste of your whiskey. I'll give you some advice. You got to know when to hold up, know when to fold up, know when to walk away, and know when to run. You never count your money. When you're sitting at the table, there'll be time enough to count when the dealing's done. Surviving is knowing what to throw away, knowing what to keep. Cause every hand's a winner, and every hand's a loser. And the best that you can hope for is to die in your sleep. And when he finished speaking, he turned back toward the window, crushed out his cigarette, faded off to sleep. And somewhere in the darkness, the gambler he broke even. In his final words, I found an ace that I could keep. You got no when to hold up, no when to hold up, no when to walk away, and no when to run. You never count your money. When you're sitting at the table, there'll be time enough for counting when the dealing's done. Enough for counting when the dealer's done.